Yeah, no, yeah, I hope it works yeah. out well. And you guys are doing some good work to, how do I say, like uh, pull back the veil on some of the confusion of this stuff, which mm -hmm. is going to be good for everybody. Hello, and welcome to the Farming Smarter podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership from Farming Smarter and the Lethbridge College, and it's funded through the CAP program, the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal, provincial, territorial initiative aimed at generating economic growth in the agricultural sector. Today, I'm speaking with Ryan Bonnet, the commercial director at Stoller Enterprises, and we're going to be talking about biostimulants. A biostimulant is something that stimulates the natural process in a plant. They might help many different functions, such as improving root uptake, increasing biomass, managing environmental stresses like flowering or pot abortion, and maybe even improving yield. Farming Smarter is leading a small plot biostimulant project with sites in Lethbridge, Battle River, and Falaire, Alberta. We're looking at multiple product offerings on wheat, peas, and canola over a three-year rotation. So let's get started. So you you are the commercial director at Stoller Enterprises Canada. I see. That's, that's all I know about you. So tell me more <laughs> okay. about Ryan. Yeah, sure. So I've got a pretty diverse background. So I grew up in Saskatchewan on a farm myself, but uh, you know I've probably got the same story as a lot of other folks. In the 80s and 90s, Dad had a, had a rough time, and he sent his kids off to university, and uh, mm -hmm. then we all then we all got employed elsewhere, and uh, you know now. Uh, would have been a good time to buy land back in the early 2000s, but uh, I got a job and uh, I worked with Cargill for a period of time, BASF, and then uh, Global Ag Risk Solutions, and yeah, most recently came over to Stoller. So nice. So you're you're I'm I'm not quite in the same boat as you. It was my grandpa that was a farmer back in the 80s. So, uh, but you know, same same deal. Kind of went nope, we're not going to go ahead with this, and kind of shut her down from there. And, I guess the rest is history. So I can, I can appreciate that. So yeah. Um, one thing I've been throwing out there to, to everybody, and I, I, I don't know if I stump them because it kind of takes them by surprise or not, but I just like to say, all right, what's a biostimulant? <laughs> okay, well, the way we, we define a biostimulant is, uh, is, is a product can be sprayed or applied to your crop that helps with crop optimization for different, uh, for different stresses. So there's a, a pile of different ones out there that'll use different forms to do that. Um, and there's a pile of different ways to do that. Um, I would say I could speak intelligently on our approach to it, but other mm -hmm. folks, um, you know, one question I get from customers all the time is how does it compare to XYZ or ABC's version? And uh, you know, the thing I throw back to, to them is like, I'm, I'm not an expert on theirs, but I can an expert on ours. Okay, yeah, I can appreciate that approach. So what do you think, what do you think back, you know, 2012, you know, I was kind of framed the discussion. Uh, we kind of had that uh, CFA pulled back some regulations on efficacy, uh, you know, the floodgates open, so to speak, in terms of, of marketplace. I, I think there's some criticism towards CFIA, but it was kind of a necessary thing that they did as well. There was a lot of products already existing in other marketplaces that just didn't have access. So kind of what's mm -hmm. your take on that situation and, and bringing things in and, and how did that play out? Yeah, so I mean, that, that deregulation opened the doors, floodgates, as you said. Now there's a, there's a pile of different competitors out there that come in and, and make a bunch of claims, probably without a full line up a data or their own internal data, which I think you do have to go out to the marketplace and, and find good third-party data. And, and specifically, Mike, what I'd say is um, data in a lab or data in a replicated trial is one thing. Data in a 320-acre undulating field with <laughs> different soil zones and sometimes different weather patterns almost across that field 
is a different set of data in itself. So um, I think there's a pile of people around to fill this space. Um, and there's also, you know, this space was probably filled in other countries much better with better data process or data uh, processes than here. And then also the other thing here in Canada is we have this thing called winter, which uh, affects us as well. Whereas like some areas do not get that uh, nice white uh, fluffy dust that we get over, over wintertime. So they have a different, you know, they have a different climate than we do for some of these products as well. So something that works in, let's say China or Thailand may not work in Stettler, Alberta, or in Kindersley, Saskatchewan, or Carmen, Manitoba, for example. So. Well, that's a really good point. I, I was going to ask you to maybe elaborate on that, but, but you also said something that I, I picked up on, um, the differences in small plot and field scale trials. And, and I hear that a lot. I'm just wondering if you can give some specific examples of things that you've seen or, or just where, where that happens. Because I've heard it repeated over and over, but I, I, don't, quite, I don't quite know why that is or, or what that means specifically. Yeah, you know, like, so, so, I mean, from my past, you know, past life working with other companies, I mean, you can, you can exactly hone in on like an environmental or climate condition in a lab and you can spray it exactly perfectly, exactly right. And, uh, you know, you've got a lot of control over what's happening to that plant. Whereas like, you know, when you get into a field scale trial, um, let's say, for example, if you're a, a farmer, you've got a 60 foot boon or whatever it is, you have different spray nozzles, you have different like spray rates, your, uh, you know, weather's all over the place. You just can't control that, those variables as well as you can in the lab. Um, so products need to be more robust and, you know, need to have a better efficacy out there than they might need to in a lab. That'd be kind of my take on it if I had to put it in, in my own terms. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I think I've seen, from what I've seen, it seems like a lot of these products come over from a horticultural setting or a greenhouse setting. And because it's so intensive and they're high value products and high value crops, and they kind of, they make their way into like a more broad agricultural space, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess on, uh, on the... Can I touch on can I touch yeah, on that? Yeah, for bit? sure. That's a good point. Yeah, like, and, that, and that's the thing, right? Like in the horticultural space where you're drip irrigating and applying things piles of different times, um, these these things have an easier time working than you do when, you know, maybe a broad acre guy goes over it three times. Let's say, for example, maybe four if it's a really tough year and there's a lot of disease pressure. Um, whereas like a hort guy, you know, a greenhouse, like you're going over that maybe three days every week, you know, like, Consider how many times guys are, uh, you know, spraying their potatoes versus how many times guys spray their hard red spring, like many, many different times. So, okay. So is that a challenge that you face in terms of like product development as well then? Um, yes and no. Um, there's some stuff that like works fantastically on certain crops at certain times. Um, but you have to, you have to define for people. It's like, Hey, this product will do this in this particular circumstance. Um, and once you get past that window, you have to clearly say, no, not after this window. There's a reason why not after this window, you would not apply that. Now here's the balancing effect on that. The farmer doesn't want to add another pass onto his field. He wants to go once with herbicide or once with fungicide to reduce that, you know, mechanical cost on his farm where he may not be hitting at, at the right time of that plant to be able to get the efficacy out of the product that they may want. Right. That's a good point. So I, I guess I see it as a bit of a challenge then because you're, you know, obviously you're trying to make things logistical at, for as for producers as you can, right? So exactly. if you're out there saying, hey, we need you to 
do our 11 step system or whatever and they're making three passes you know the buy-in's a lot lower so yep yeah okay yeah like i'll give you an example like we we have a couple strategies on that where it's like we would tell and i'll just use canola for example we would tell a guy you know 10 to 50 percent bloom on a certain product and then after 50 percent bloom we'd say no longer that product we'd move you to a different product for a different reason you know, right. so, but, but what, you know, what a, a grower will ask us is like, well, can I just throw it all in one tank and can I just hit it once? <laughs> it's like, wow, no, I like, yeah. not for what your expectations would be out of that. So, and I, I guess, you know, I think of biostimulant stuff. I always kind of made the health food analogy or, you know, vitamins or supplements or things like that. There's a, you know, you still need to eat food. You're not just going to just take protein shake and vitamins and whatever, like you still want to eat all your food, but um, you know, obviously, yeah, I think there's, like you said, the timing and things like that make a lot of sense. And when you get into these hardcore athletes and triathletes mm-hmm. and whatever they're they've got a system, right. And that's, that's how they roll. So I can appreciate that in the, in the egg world. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you think, like in terms of, and, you know, just, um, you know, kind of biosimilant applications, like, like what are the key phases in the crop that you're targeting? Um, you know, are you, are you just trying to mimic what the producer's doing? Or are there some other key steps that you think, you know, like right at bolting, right at seed set, uh, different timings like that? Like what are the kind of keys that you think are important? Yeah. So crop establishment and vegetative stage are very, very important. That's when you're going to get, you know, from our research, you're going to get the biggest bang from your buck. And then uh, there's other, you know, there's other things like say abiotic stresses that particular our products will do very, very well on. So like heat, cold, frost stress, like we've got products that specifically will, will go after those ones. Um, you know, the, the other thing that we, that I think we stumble into in this biostimulant world is that it, it, we'll get into and be like, look how much bigger and better all these uh, roots are. Okay. But then you compare three different companies, all the roots will look the exact same. And the, the definitive factor there is like treating is probably better than not treating. Okay. But by the end of the year, every grower wants to see five bushel an acre more on this strip than that strip. But all we can really promise a lot of the time is, you know, an extra five to 10% optimization on your, uh, on your yield, which sometimes a guide doesn't measure that well. So the measurement of it can sometimes be, you know, be a crucial matter in this whole thing as well, too. So, so what do you mean they can't measure it? Is it just like... Okay, uh, so, so look at, like, imagine, uh, imagine on, like, a yield monitor. Um, let's say you're bumping a bushel or two, maybe even three on, like, a big crop. Let's say you're growing a 50-bushel-acre granola crop. If you're, if you're combining, your, your yield monitor is popping all the way around all the time. So three bushel an acre jumping up and down. If a guy's looking at it and he's not really paying attention, he's not doing NDI, DVI maps or layering his data on, that little bump may not even be noticeable to him. And then what if he's doing that 10.30 at night and he's got six hired men and a grain cart going through? It it'd sometimes be hard to measure that. So, so you think it's, you know. it's kind of the margin error sometimes, like if all, our yep. error is so high or variability is so high that it's hard to pick up what's actually happening. And I mean, three bushels is nothing to scoff at. Three bushels is three bushels. I mean, you three here, three there, three there. That's the, the strategy. That's the 95% rule or whatever it's called, 5% rule, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like uh, the 5% rule is exactly the bang on, bang on thing. And it's like, you know, the question I ask any grower is, what other ideas do you have right now to help optimize and, and grow your, uh, you know, grow your crop as good as you can? 
you know, most guys are pretty damn good at fertility nowadays. I, you know, I would say crop protection is getting fantastic as well too. Guys all know how to rotate groups, fungicides, guys know those things. I would say pretty well. So what's the next thing that's going to get you that extra two or three bushel an acre? Cause if you're not doing it, you know, your neighbor competitor is, and uh, you guys are both staring at that guy who's going to retire in five years and who's going to pick up his <laughs> couple sections of land. So, right. you know, you know, what are you doing to optimize? So, so I guess the only challenge that that usually comes up or that, that comes across our, our neck of the woods is farmers just want to know ROI. And so, the, mm -hmm. so they say their criticism is like, well, if it doesn't show up in my yield monitor, I can't tell, like it's not worth the extra bucks. So, so what do you say to that? Like, what's your, your thought there? Yeah. And I, I would just ask them like, how are you monitoring that ROI? Cause if it's just a yield monitor and you're just visually looking at it. Okay. Um, but I would ask you too, like, are you actually pulling out the data and seeing like, Hey, maybe it's 2.1 on this one this year, but maybe it's 6.2 the next year. Um, each year has got its different variabilities there, there that uh, can fit in there. But like the ROI uh, comment, very, very fair. And there are times that it, it absolutely does come up with an ROI. And there's sometimes because of the weather, it's, it's really tough to, like, I'll, I'll tell you what, nothing had an ROI in Southern Alberta in 18 and 19. Like it yeah. was just dry. Our, our dry, yeah, our dry line stuff was it was junk. You know, twenty bushel canola yeah. was looking nice. Yeah, like there's all there's nothing you know there's nothing we can do there. But last year, like we were seeing some fantastic ROIs. You know, some three or four bushel an acre on canola. Um, some six even on some of our trials in Manitoba. And some people will say, "Well, three bushel an acre isn't enough." And I say, "Well, three bushel an acre at fifteen bucks a bushel, my product is 11. Like you're, you're getting a four, you know, you're getting a four to one on that one. Like, like, what, like mm -hmm. I would put my money into a four to one, like a, a four to yeah. one return. Like, tell me where I can get that investment. Yeah. Right on crypto. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good, good point. Uh, so, so one thing I, I bumped across this morning and I just kind of working on putting it into my presentation for later is, is kind of these, is kind of related to what we're just saying with the ROI and, and getting those bumps. You know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with with Liebig's law, the minimum, and the the Wallace's law, the maximum. So, so Liebig's law, the minimum, being like you know this agricultural principle or principle developed in agriculture that you know kind of the the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So, whatever limiting factors that we have. Are, that's going to be the maximum that the crop can grow. If you only get so much sunlight, water, you know, nutrients, whatever it is, that's just yep. it. You can't you can't go any better than that limiting factor, um, you know. But I think that's kind of been criticized by this other law, saying that you know sometimes things are aren't they're not additive, you know. There there's a synergy there when you combine things that, that makes it better. So. Just wondering if that's you know something that you see and you know, as a potential within the biostimulant realm. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's some of those that are absolutely effect like effective. Like say, um, um, like for example, like some of our products when you add them in with some foliar fertility uh, in season, much better bang for your buck on these things. Like that's where where like say sometimes foliar fertility may not uh, apply as well because there was nothing telling the plant to like take it up. And even with our products, sometimes like, and I can only speak in mine, mine specifically, you add foliar fertility in with some of these uh, hormonal stimulants that we have. Again, that's when you get that synergistic effect. And then for example, like there's uh, there's another one, like there's some fulvic acids 
that really work as a really good transport mechanism of either the herbicide or the foliar fertility that's coming in there. So if that's a synergy that you're talking about in that, uh, in, you know, in those combinations, then yeah, like we do see those, uh, those things quite a bit in our research data. Yeah. And we, we had some damage in our, in our odyssey damage last year in our peas, uh, that mm -hmm. yellow flash and some really kind of bad stunting. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did see some, some safening effects from some of the products and some worsening effects, I think, from some of the other products. And I think that's just a consequence of, you yeah. know, bad, really bad weather. I think, you know, it was overclassed and cloudy and cool for two weeks. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to spray it 10 node in peas. So we're trying to get it done at the right <laughs> you time shouldn't. when the weeds are there. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, I've definitely seen that effect, um, happen. So it's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, and like um, that's a that's a quick easy one for guys to you know to jump through. Like pulses, they're such a weak plant, you know, and like there's only so many herbicides you can put on them. Like the emmies are the emmies, and like you can say what they are, they're the best solution to a bad problem that we have. Like like yeah. they can they've got piles of chemicals that'll smoke the weeds and peas and lentils, but it'll also smoke the peas and lentils. So then it's like, yeah. how do you safen that for that? Obviously very good financially beneficial crop without, you know, losing weed control. Cause how, how many guys hate going and buy a pea field that just looks dirty? You know, guys don't like that. So, yeah. Even if it is, even if the yield isn't compromised, you just don't want to see that dirty field full of weed. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of pride, right? You don't want, you don't want egg and, on your. Yeah, it is. It's like having a freshly mown front lawn, you know, I think exactly. producers want to drive by and see a beautiful field. I, I get that for sure. Yeah. So, so I guess in our study, uh, maybe I'll just go, go through kind of our, what we're doing quick and get your thoughts on, on things. Um, you know, we're really taking, I would call it like a systems approach or more of that um, kind of law of the maximum type approach where we're really like, okay, let's make sure kind of everything possible is topped up to where it could be because we don't want to we don't want to leave anything on the table and be like oh you know oopsies we we didn't put a fungicide and there was disease or we had all this insect pressure come in and chomp it all down so that's kind of where what we're going after um, and so we've got peas and canola and wheat all in rotation uh, we're going to do, obviously, you know, just for, because of our constraints, we're doing small, small plot trials in this case. Um, and we're going to, we're going to do a rotation of everything. So, you know, if we're using company A's product, we're going to go, you know, product, product, product year after year, all three rotations. And then those are going to be phased. So we've got three iterations of all the, the products and stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's the concept um, we're looking at, you know, if there's any difference in emergence off uh, from some of the seed treatments and stuff like that, we're going to run some NDVI. I think it's solstice right now. So we're going to look at kind of that canopy coverage, if not today or tomorrow. Um, and, and then the harvest obviously yield is something for no matter what, you can't escape that. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and the yield quality stuff too. So, you mm -hmm. know, protein and, and peas and wheat and oil and canola. So mm -hmm. um, that's a thought. Um, Obviously, we've got a number of different companies we're working with. Um, and, you know, we're really trying to hit that, you know, kind of, we've got a seed treatment, we're doing putting product at, at our in-crop 
Uh, we're putting product down with fungicide. Uh, if there's a PGR type application or timing that we think is relevant, we're going to do that as well. Um, you know, if there's anything else you think we should do, um, I'm not sure if you, you had some thoughts, I think, before on if there's stress, heat stress like that. Um, yep. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those yeah, things. But... It's, it's, we're trying to be kind of adaptive. I think all, the way we do the statistics and stuff is going to be a little more adaptive. There's going to be site. We know there's going to be compromises. I mean, it's not easy to have a yeah. traditional check, you know. Yeah, like I guess how how intensive do you want to get it? Like, are like your your research and your data wants to service a certain called community of agriculture? Do you want to do you want to talk to the guys that have like a you know like most guys would do seed treatments, one maybe two herbicide apps, one maybe two fungicide apps, and then maybe a pre-harvest interval. Do you want to fit that guy, or do you want to fit the guy that doesn't mind going over a field ten times? Uh, mm -hmm. to try to get the biggest the biggest yield and the highest quality possible which which segment are you trying to service with this well i think i think we're trying to service the the segment that wants to see the win i think the whole point of this project was okay. that you know we're, we're you know we've heard a lot of kind of the the side that just guys are just go nah, that none of that stuff works none of that stuff works and we're like well I, it has to something you know i i know the science mm -hmm. is there for a lot of this um, mm -hmm. sometimes the conditions, the environment, the farm, the crop, whatever, I, I sometimes don't think that that's right for some of these different mm -hmm. groups. So, so we're just kind of looking for a win, like that law of the maximum. We're like, what can we, what can we put on all these crops and have a, you know, three years overall, maybe, like you said, maybe one year we don't get it and two other years we do, or two, you know, maybe for yep. two of our crops, it works great and one it doesn't. So that's kind of what we're after. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, like I can come up, I could come up with a big fancy protocol for each one of those, those crops. And, uh, you know, you'd be, you know, you'd be over it nine or 10 times and, uh, yeah. I, you know, via our data, it would uh, make a lot of, it would make a lot of sense for guys. We could do that. Or we can give some easier wins for folks. Cause most of the time people want to start with singles instead of home runs. Most time guys will, you know, start with one or two products versus going to like eight or nine different, uh, approaches on that so like yeah. I, I would say you know start off with what most guys are comfortable doing and then expand from there so we're starting to do that we're trying to make our message a little bit more streamlined and easy approach so for example um, instead of us going over canola six times okay which is one that probably will get the biggest earliest bang for a buck on canola it's probably this product called excite at flower timing which combats heat stress so combats heat blast okay. and, and, and like say uh, flower abortion, those type of things. So if, we, if I had to make one blanket recommendation, I would say 10 to 50% flower time, spray this product. And I would say four out of five years, you're going to get a, you're going to get a very good ROI on this type of stuff. And the reason you, I would. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and the reason I would say that is, is that in my experience from like purchasing grain and selling, you know, inputs before, it was, uh, although that sclerotinia can hammer canola really, really bad sometimes, it doesn't, the conditions aren't as ripe in that July, August timeframe for it to actually come in and happen, but we always get heat. Like think about this year, how hot it is in June. We, we always get that heat. That's that heat abiotic stresses. Show me, show me more than one or two years in the last 10 that a guy hasn't gotten over 30 to 35 in July and August for a period of time. So right. something like that, it'd be my, my first blank and recommendation to guys is like, do this. So, 
Okay. So you kind of have your own strategy when you talk to new people kind of say, okay, we'll start with this one, try this one, do this and kind of, kind of build up a system that works. Nice. Yeah, exactly. I, so, I like that. So I'd, yeah. I'd start with that. I'd start with that. And then, uh, you know, and then we'd start saying, okay, well, um, there's also other, some deficiencies that you may want to look at in your field. So maybe there's like a, you know, maybe there's a, you know, I'll just use this one cause it's a very common one. Maybe there's a boron deficiency in canola, but this is the thing. Maybe there's not like boron is sometimes the most overrated, um, over overrated micro, which has an effect on some of the optimization of that plant that we, that we use. And I don't, sometimes I don't think we use it properly. Yeah. So like, what are you using for and why? So. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, that's the excite one going back to the heat stress. I think that that's one we have in, in the plant. And for that very reason, I think it's, it's, it's so hot here in July and, you know, even even herbicides sometimes are a challenge because of this June June heat. And I've seen quite a bit of stress. And even last week, we were worried about some emergency irrigation on stuff because it was just so sad looking some of our crops. So um, yep. they get that they get hammered by that. So um, that's that's cool to think about uh, doing some of that. That I guess the, the only challenge for that is, is as a farmer, you have to be kind of adaptive. You know, you have mm -hmm. to be ready to be like, or, or at least kind of have a plan in place to say like, okay, if things get real hot, I'm probably going to put this down. And it's just kind of one more thing yeah. to add in. So nice. yeah, it's it's almost like an algorithm. If this mm. then that. Yeah, Whereas... yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking if this, then that type of thing. And, and like, there's a lot of those type of things that can fall into this biostimulant world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but most guys, and this is, you know, and, and I, I think farmers would even say this is like, well, it didn't work last year. I don't want to try it this year. Or that worked great last year. I'm going to do it every single year. Whereas you absolutely shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, like, uh, it, you know, it is easy to and, fall and like, we're, we're all like that. Exactly. Like we're all into that. Like, you know, and you, you said earlier, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, maybe not buying Bitcoin every single day is a good return on investment. <laughs> but there's yes. some days where holy cow, it doubles or triples the next day, you know. So right, yeah. No, I can I can appreciate that. I think there's we all have those kind of biases when it comes to this data and, and stuff that you see in the field where like you said, you guys you guys have like an internal kind of uh if then that kind of flow chart or that you work off of or I think I, I've always I've always been interested in those and and we actually I, I wanted to develop one back on one of our previous projects we did a night spring project and I think you know we we did a big poster on it but we never quite got to that like very simple just kind of follow this you know is it is it nighttime is it not are you spraying this crop or are you not are you spraying whatever yep. right so I, I'm, yep. I'm interested so, by that and fascinated so good question. The answer is no, but I'm going to do it now, actually, then after, since you asked the yeah. question. And I don't know why. I think you should, if you don't have it. Yeah. yeah like, I think that'd be great. Just that like... Yeah. Th there's a yeah. couple that we do have that for like specifically, and I'll, you know, I'll just toot our own product here, but if you got hailed out or, you know, 30 to 50% hailed, then we would say, yes, you should apply BioFord advance. Uh, within three days of that and you're going to get some type of response and you're going to get some type of yield bump and recovery on your uh, crop it's going to make it better and then we'd also say it's like hey if you're getting into your you know 10 to 50 percent flower time if you look at the uh you know the forecast in the next two weeks like i'm looking at right now and every day's above 30 then you should absolutely put excite down but if it's 
flowering and you have 10 days of, uh, you know, just soaking wet weather, well then you probably don't need Excite at that time. <laughs> so, um, right. so yeah, there's a couple we do, but probably need to. It's more. refreshing to hear you talk so candidly about whether or not you actually need something or, or don't need something as opposed to, you know, just the guys just put everything on yeah. all the time and do it, you know, like. Yeah, and that's, and you know, you know, our first conversation, that's, that's the knock on our, our segment is people yeah. were rushing so quick to establish a business that instead of telling somebody the right thing, they told them something that was maybe self-serving at that time. And, and I'll tell you what, like you can gain a lot of credibility with people to say, Hey, this is when you should use my stuff. And this one you should not. And it's no different. Like it's no different than the chem industry. Like I've worked, yes. you know, I worked at, I uh, worked in a retail and then I worked for a, one of the major chem manufacturers. Like, and there were times you would spray something. I'd say, you should do this every day. You like, you know, like I'd literally grab a farmer and say, put this in your tank, go do it right now. It makes sense. And there's other times when it's like, yeah, not this year. Let's do it next year. It's not the right, it's not the right time to do that. Or you don't have the pests that this particular product will be efficacious on. Right. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. I think there's there's lots of good credibility there. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, is, is there anything else you want to add? I think that's that covers everything I really wanted to talk about. So I, I really appreciate it. No, that's, uh, you know, that's, that would be kind of my, you know, my take on this, uh, this side where we're, you know, on our side, we're just trying to simplify our message and simplify our responses. And then like, because we have to have kind of a, a blanket approach, like or a blanket message that we have to send out to people. But then almost every single case, you do have to dive into a few of the nuances. Like you do have to know the mm -hmm. grower and you do have to know your circumstances. You know, like once, you know, one question that got posed to us this past weekend is like, hey, should I be going out there and doing foliar fertility? And the answer was like, normally the answer would be, yeah, you should. That's a great, uh, you know, supplement to what you're doing. And the, you know, crop price is really high. Now, the second part of that answer is, holy cow, you've only had half an inch of rain and you've got two weeks of 30 plus above. Like it may, you may be wasting that product at this time. Um, you should be ready to do it if you do get some rain, but if you don't, then, you know, there's nothing that's really going to save that crop at this point. So, Right. No, that's, that's awesome. Well, um, I look forward to seeing that flow chart anyways in the future um, <laughs> the next trade show or whatever we're at. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of talk biostimulants with me and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Oh, great. Thanks a lot. Once again, thank you very much to Farming Smarter and Lethbridge College as well as the CAP program. And thanks for listening.